You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. This is episode number 346. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruther, who is an author, PhD, and a founder, the founder, of paleoforwomen.com, now turned health to empower.com. Today, we're going to be unpacking deodorants and aluminum, resting heart rate, supplements and multivitamins. And if we have time, we're going to be jumping into tension headaches because Steph just complained to me that I put too many questions in this podcast episode. <laughs> I was so, planning. I was attempting to for I was attempting to forecast the amount of time the podcast would take. <laughs> I know. I was just being cheeky there. Steph never complains, guys. She's not a complainer. She if if I'm the, my relationship with Steph is like, hey, do you need me to keep doing this for you? And she's like, yes, but you know what? It's all good. You if you don't want to do it anymore, that's fine. Like. I just want to do what's right for you. <laughs> like, Correct. Yeah. I'm like, Steph, give me your address so I can send you a birthday card. You know what? You, I can give that to you, but don't feel obligated to send. I'm okay. I'm good. I just want you to take care of you. I'm like, okay, Steph. Um, anyway, <laughs> she's great. Uh, before we get into the fun, I have been talking a lot about magnesium lately. In fact, one of the most popular articles on my site is about the different types of magnesium because I have a list of all these different types of magnesium and what they're good for on Pinterest, which has been pinned hundreds of thousands of times, which is insane. Magnesium and I are tight. I might as well just call it like it is. I'm a magnesium advocate, and that is because most people are are deficient in magnesium And it is so important for our physiology. It plays an important role in detoxification, digestion, energy production, stress management, and even our heart rhythm. When you're deficient in in magnesium, you can experience a variety of symptoms like insomnia is, is really popular, anxiety, migraines and headaches, leg cramps, and did I say anxiety, Uh, diabetes, heart problems. Magnesium deficiency also plays a role in hormone imbalances, and it's actually in the literature shown to be a common cause of PMS symptoms. So if you're struggling with the sleep issues, what happens is uh, like magnesium plays a big role in in like increasing GABA, and that encourages relaxation on a cellular level, and it's critical for our sleep. And because stress depletes magnesium, as does pregnancy. This also means magnesium is needed to support your body's stress response. So if you're going through like a really stressful time, your body is like burning through magnesium and like everybody's stressed. But please do not run to the store and buy the first magnesium supplement that you find. Most magnesium supplements are crap and they use really cheap synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they may not fix your magnesium deficiency. So there are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming and sleep enhancing effects. That's why I personally take magnesium breakthrough by Bye Optimizers and I highly recommend it. Uh, I take two capsules before I go to bed 
It's really helped me sleep better. I wake up more rested. And I do know that a lot of people who take Magnesium Breakthrough have found the same thing. For exclusive offer, it's Mag Breakthrough, so M-A-G Breakthrough.com forward slash well-fed. Our code for an additional 10% off those like bundles that you'll see there, those discounted bundles, is well-fed 10 an additional 10% off. I go to this website when I have to reorder. <laughs> I just buy the six or the 12 bottles, whatever the biggest you know thing is, so I can get the biggest discount. And then for a limited time, Bioptimizers is also giving away bottles of P3OM, which is their probiotic, and Masszymes, which is their like full-spectrum digestive enzyme. I think there's like a protein protease uh, enzyme in there, some, some really popular or good for you digestive enzymes, especially if you're dealing with digestive issues like bloating or gas. They're giving away free bottles with select purchases while supplies last. So go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. Use our code wellfed10 to get the 10% discount. And then you also may have the chance to get like $50 worth of supplements for free on top of that, which is pretty cool. Hello, Stephanie. Hello. Uh, I just got an email from Crate and Barrel. And <laughs> it says at the top... All the fall things. I could not read it like that. All the fall things. All things. Um, <laughs> did you dat? Have you dabbled? Have you dabbled in no. any sort of fall decor? No. Any you're not seasonal decor? No. So I was um, walking through Target last week mm. and um, at Target. <laughs> and yes, we, we know. <laughs> and there was a lot of fall decor stuff i i think i'm not gonna i'm not gonna because i don't i don't like i just i can't i can't have seasonal stuff that you like <laughs> take out and put away for the seasons like right i struggle I, my my flat is basically empty it's basically empty i had some friends over for the first time to come hang out on my balcony and we walked through and they were like, oh, yeah, this is nice. It's also basically empty. Like, it's basically empty, and I'm still freaking out about how much stuff I have. So, <laughs> <laughs> I do I no. do predict that maybe in, like, four or five years, you're going to be like, I got a fall wreath and garland. Maybe and a wreath. It. Maybe a wreath. But you know what? In my complex, people don't put stuff on their doors, like, in the hallway. It's just, really? I don't know. It's not a thing we do, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. And I have a color palette and it's extremely particular. I am so fussy about how colors look. It brings me so much joy when I look at colors that match and I feel mm -hmm. stressed. I mean, I whatever. I would be fine in a room that, you know what I mean? I'd be totally yeah. fine. I have spent, I've slept with Rox's pillows. Like I would be <laughs> fine. I, obviously. They sound like my I husband. <laughs> That's what he says. I've slept okay. on the ground before, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true when I enjoyed it. Like, it's fine. But um, but I, I do love a good color palette. And mm -hmm. I'm being very particular about setting it up. So I'm not going to. I can't. I can't. Introduce, seasons would be too complex. Is that something you do? Yeah. Do you have a fall decor? Is that something you do? Of course it's something I do. <laughs> Noelle wasn't busy enough, everybody. By the way, Noelle had this hysterical series. I just, you have to follow Noelle on Instagram. I say this all the time. You have that. to. Because she's authentic and she shares her family, which is a 
joy and a privilege to witness. And mm, also yeah. there was this one time a few days ago. So now a few weeks ago, if you're, you know, listening to the podcast when it comes out, not me in my kitchen today. And while you were talking about you had like half of your nails painted and not the other <laughs> half. And then the next day you were like, I'm such a mess. You were like, hi, I'm a mess. But your high wasn't H-I. It was like H-I-G-H. And I was like, what's going on here? Did you even notice that? It was so funny. It was hysterical. Oh, man. I'm so overwhelmed, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's been rough. Preschool's a thing now, right? Preschool. I just am trying. I have a lot, and I'm trying to fit everything into every minute. Like, every yeah, minute is like, I have to get this done. Like, pulling out the fall decor from the basement. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So I try to be very intentional with like five days a week. I get as much work as I can done Saturday and Sunday. I do not get on the computer and work. So I don't I don't have I'm not very good at doing nothing, although I do need to do nothing more. But like the past few weekends, we've filled the weekends. I've been working at church. I do sometimes do production, sometimes working kids. And it's like then my Sunday's kind of pretty much all gone. So it's just been a lot, but I will say I have ordered I I took a I took a few and I ordered a few things off of Target. I got a really beautiful neutral fall runner for my table and I got eucalyptus is really gorgeous. It's very neutral. So I have like a little wreath and a little garland on and some like white speckled pumpkins. I don't decorate with like orange or anything like that. Um I haven't this year. Because, what? So I start I start decorating a, a couple months ago or like thinking about it. And I was yeah. like, so I'm not really sure what kind of palette you're into. But just so you know, like I'm really into neutrals and I use a lot of black and white and then we'll like only sparsely use some color. I'm like, OK, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Is that what I, did I, I have a that? pink rug, a blue <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. It's probably no one think I would say. That's awesome. Look, if I didn't have kids, I would do the same. I and I didn't have a husband, like I would do the same. But I do feel like sometimes I have to. I don't know. Anyway, I've just been more neutral so that I can bring in those things. So at last, uh, like in the past year or two, I did invest intentionally in some more like Christmas decor, like really decorating things, like my TV stand, and just like every little aspect of our home. I try to you know have little touches, Christmas touches. So, and this year I was like, I'm I'm going to intentionally decorate the table and make it more folly. Um, but it, it nothing overwhelming. Anyway, what happened was I painted one side of my hand, painted my nails, and I just got to the point where I was like, I I I literally have 5 minutes and I have to put Maverick down for a nap and, I, and then I have to put Stella back into her room for quiet time. That's like a whole hour and then I need to clean up the house and then I need to like sit down and work. And I was like, I don't have time to paint the nails on the other side of my hand. And, like, let it dry and all the things. Like, no. And it was my right hand. It's the hand I got to, you know, write with and tight. So I was like, no. So I just didn't do it. And then I was, like, on Instagram talking. And I didn't really realize how crazy it looked to have hot pink nails on one side and not on the other. And so in the moment I was like, I painted one hand, by the way. I'm sorry. This looks ridiculous. And then yesterday I forgot to put conditioner in my hair. What is that about? I literally got out of the shower. I was like, why is my hair? Okay, whatever. But I had like <laughs> 10 minutes to literally dry myself off, get the kids downstairs, get them to eat, get out the door, take my kid to preschool. And I was like, I don't even have time to think about this. And then I was like, yeah, I didn't put conditioner in my hair. I like, yeah, kept trying to think back. 
Do you ever do you ever forget shampoo and do just conditioner? Then I'm like, oh crap. No, <laughs> although I've I don't never condition done anymore, so it's not a problem for me. But um, oh, no, but I used to back in the day. Well, it's like post workout, so I've changed my workout so that it's before the kids wake up. So I have to be going at seven fifteen. I try to end between seven forty five eight. My kids are usually up seven forty five to eight, sometimes earlier. Now it's been earlier because they've been sick like twice in the last three weeks thank you school germs and it's just nobody's sleeping i'm just so done but anyway i just have a lot this is a very busy season and every moment is i have to be so intentional and it's 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 exhausting so i am trying to figure out like how can i move past this i'm trying to do this website launch and i just once that's done hopefully i'll have more free space but i look at all these other people this is an honesty moment i look at all these other people who are doing so much and have kids and are like one on the way and they're like producing books and like posting six times a day and i'm like what in the world? I just don't understand how people do it. And I just can't keep I like have the hardest time keeping up and not comparing myself to everybody else. So I literally daily, I have to like, do my devotions and check in with myself and be like, Noel, stop. Like, this is this is not what life is about. You don't need to like, be so productive that you get everything done on your to do list every single day. So anyway, Okay. I just can't hide it when I'm doing my stories. I was like, yeah, I usually try to hide that kind of stuff. And I was just like, I, I can't. No, I love it. And I mean, for all of all that I am is studying, you know, the people and psychology and, you know, the literature on business, which I actually do sometimes uh, <laughs> now. Um, the thing is, like, you just got to you just got to be honest. The more you're authentic is the word, you know, the more you let people see the real you, I just, yeah, I think it's a really compelling part of uh, messaging, especially in yours, you know, because you, you kind of show you like you have this, this beautiful, you put up these beautiful photos with a lot of like the photos of your food are so beautiful. And the videos and the stuff that you're doing with your family, the composting and stuff like it's wonderful. But you also show that it like, there's also like honesty, like honesty, like uh, there's honesty behind that. And it's like hard. It takes a lot of work. And also like it's messy and you forget to do half your nails. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I like that you show yeah. all of that. You know, yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. 90 percent of that is is the is messy. I, I, I cross the I draw the line. I try not. I mean, my kids are I mean, guys. Maverick is so cute. Like I just every day I'm like, I want to remember you like this because he is just so sweet and so loving and he's totally a mama's boy and I just eat it up. And he's just so cute when he eats. And so I do try to get little videos of him eating, but I draw the line at I don't want to show my children like I don't want to exploit my children and be like, look at my children. They're a mess um, because that's what they do most of the time. You know, they're crying or they're complaining or whatever. So I try to keep their lives semi, you know, private ish, but and just kind of like, you know, include little cute things that I love. But 90 percent of the day is a mess. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that. I just it's hard to it's hard to keep up. and like. Instagram is just totally just hard for me to keep up with. And it's stalled right now. Like just I haven't grown really in like a month or two. And I'm like, why? Why is my reel not reaching people all day, every day? Y'all, anybody who's in thinks that <laughs> like we're all going through it. So anyway, 
That's the day. Uh, anything else from you before we get into questions? Mm-mm. Okay. Question number one is from Allie. A-L-L-E-Y. That will become important later. She says, I'd like to know more about deodorants and aluminum. Any new research? Thanks, ladies. Yeah, so I'll talk about it briefly, but I'm pretty sure, Noel, I don't know. Haven't you done tons of research about deodorants? <laughs> so maybe maybe I yeah, should. I, mean, I spent so like, like so way too. Right. Yeah, yes. you've spent yeah. like a year of your life cultivating like a, a deodorants. extensive experience of different deodorants and you know, um, but you don't antiperspirants because is aluminum the only antiperspirant? Is that true? So aluminum is the component in antiperspirants right. that like will plug or block the ducts. Although there are like there can be aluminum, like aluminum salts, like if when you see those like salt deodorants or whatever. Um, sure. But for that's the most still part, aluminum, yeah. right. So basically, so a deodorant, it like deodorizes uh, a sweat and then uh, an antiperspirant will be a salt <laughs> that melts on your skin and seeps into your pores and prevents you from sweating. And so, but aluminum, I think, is actually the only thing that that's on the market that actually does that whole, like an aluminum salt, right, is the only thing that actually melts into your pores, right? That so, stops sweating. Yeah, so an anti, you're exactly sweating. right. So it's going to stop, try to stop sweating, like plug your ducts, stop the sweating. Whereas a deodorant, like a clean deodorant or whatever, it's going to to prevent chafing, and it's mm. going to make it smell better. And it is going to be drying. So all deodorants have drying ingredients in them that will help, you know, wick, like the sweat will evaporate better. It'll be drying. It's not going to, like, cause you to sweat all over your clothes necessarily. I mean, you still are going to, but it's not going to stop the sweat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've done uh, some background reading about aluminum. And I know a little bit from just being in the space for a long time about uh, the potential associations with Alzheimer's and or uh, breast cancer, but I'm pretty sure that you know this more extensively than I do. And looking at your notes right now, I'm just going to, um, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then you can, you can sure. chime in. So I did, I, in terms of like new research, there is no new research, which I think is really unfortunate because right now that's the jury's kind of out on it all. Of course, I make my own personal decisions and I think stuff you have to, but and everybody has to. You have to make your own decision about what you feel comfortable with, about what the literature says. Of course, there are going to be people, oh, that's debunked. It's not a problem. Keep using your antiperspirants, of course. You know, there's going to be biases and people are going to say, nope, it's fine. And then other people are going to say, aluminum is killing you. It's causing breast cancer. Don't ever, you know, put it in near it, near you. So we have to kind of find something, you know, in the middle-ish or maybe not, you know, but you have to do what is is right for you. So... I have to, I, this is how my thought process works. What do we know about aluminum? We know aluminum is neurotoxic. There is some evidence that chronic exposure and gradual bioaccumulation is a factor in neurological diseases. Neurological diseases kind of like scare the crap out of me. Not going to be, not going to lie. And I think, Steph, you've even talked about how Alzheimer's is like a really important, like, for some reason, it's just like there's certain diseases sometimes brain brain function, my brain function like that really, I don't know, hits hits me hard when I think about the things that I want to do for my health, like brain health is number one. Um, so it can aluminum can accumulate in your brain, your lungs, bones and other tissues, and it can cause like tangles in the nerve fibers leading to muscular dysfunction and memory loss. 
Aluminum has not been shown to be the cause of Alzheimer's disease, but increased levels of aluminum in the brain have been noted in autopsies of Alzheimer's patients, which suggests that aluminum toxicity may be a risk factor in the disease. That is what scientists are saying. Okay, but that research hasn't been done. A pretty large review in 2011 points to evidence that aluminum tends to accumulate in the brain and is capable of producing Alzheimer's-like symptoms and that only small amounts of aluminum are necessary to have a neurotoxic effect. So how does this... And then there's this, the second point, which is the breast cancer or cancer in general. Um, and so what does that mean for deodorants? So studies show conflicting results when it comes to the direct relationship between antiperspirants and breast cancer. Now, I'm going to be honest. I just... It's going to be very hard. I don't really think we'll ever see a study that has this direct relationship between antiperspirants and breast cancer because the body is holistic and our aluminum exposure is not just from antiperspirants. We're talking about accumulation over time, not just antiperspirant use. So it's just one piece of the picture. It's not going to be as big as smoking causes lung cancer. There's a direct correlation there. Okay. So that's my first problem. That's why a lot of people, nope, it's been debunked. It's not, there's no direct cause. It's like, okay, uh, I hear what you're saying, but also it's not about that. Just that. So several scientists have suggested that there is a possible connection and that we desperately need more research. Um, we know that estrogen plays a key role in the development of breast cancer. One study actually demonstrated that aluminum can interact with estrogen receptors on human breast cancer cells, which can that's kind of alarming. Um, and this is from the National Cancer Institute. Because estrogen can promote the growth of breast cancer cells, some scientists have suggested that the aluminum-based compounds in antiperspirants may contribute to the development of breast cancer. Now, they linked to a couple reviews, um, which is basically like scientists who are suggesting that here's these links, here's some research with indirect links. And so we need to really look deeper into that direct link. Um, but that research still needs to be done. I can link to that review in the show notes. And the short of the studies is that one study found that people with breast cancer who used more antiperspirant, so they used it like the frequency increased, were diagnosed at an earlier age. So they took breast cancer patients, basically. So these are all people who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. People who had used antiperspirants were diagnosed at an earlier age, while another study found no direct relationship between antiperspirant use and breast cancer directly. So the real question is, you know, can aluminum, we know these things about aluminum, can aluminum be absorbed in the pits? And the answer is likely yes. So one study in 2011 found that aluminum from a single application was absorbed, but only in a very small extent, um, especially when we're considering the amount of aluminum absorbed like in the gut from food. I can link to that study too in show notes. And there was also a case of a woman who had used an aluminum-containing antiperspirant for four years. She had, like, toxic blood levels of aluminum. It resolved in eight months after discontinuing use of the antiperspirant, and her symptoms of severe bone pain and fatigue were also ceased. I will um, link to that study in the show notes. And then the last one, a 2012 study, this is an in vitro model, so again, in a Petri dish, that aluminum can be absorbed through human skin and that stripped skin, so skin that has been freshly shaved, is significantly more uh, permeable to aluminum than in intact skin. 
So because we we use these deodorants daily, sometimes, you know, multiple times a day, and the evidence suggests that it can be absorbed through skin, and we know how aluminum interacts in the body, I personally do not recommend using an antiperspirant daily if you can use an alternative that works really well, which there are so many now on the market that do not have endocrine disruptors and do not have aluminum. Natural deodorants also let you sweat, as I was talking about with Steph before. Antiperspirants stop you from sweating. Sweating is a really important part of detoxification processes. And a lot of people will note when they make the switch to clean deodorants, their sweat is like super stinky and they just don't understand like why am i stinking so bad and it's not it's like a de- there's like a detoxification process that your body has to go through so i do believe that your body should be sweating i get it pit stains aren't the cutest but you certainly don't need to be stopping your sweat while you work out you know and on a daily basis and i just don't like from a holistic perspective i just don't think it's the best idea I did, Steph alluded to this, I tested, I don't know, it was like 10 to 15 different natural deodorants, like everything, all the brands that I could find. And I kind of dove deep into like what makes, why people love this brand versus why they don't. A lot of people struggle because they have sensitive skin, so they're really reactive to like high levels of baking soda or whatever, cornstarch in a deodorant. So I tested them. I narrowed it down to like eight top ones and what made them better than the other ones. Like, did it actually keep you dry? Did it actually, like, did you actually, did I actually smell good after a workout or did I really start to smell the sweat and the ammonia and just the stench? So I did a huge review. I can link to that in the show notes. And I tried a couple other ones that were a little alarming, not good, and just left me wet feeling, which is not good. And or like I would I bought a few that like were popular brands, not really thinking about it. And then I just found like PEGs was like the like propylene glycol was like the first ingredient. I was like, no. So anyway, and then also some people are like, well, it stains clothes. If coconut oil is the first ingredient, it's likely going to stain your clothes. So I just, you know, talk through some of that stuff in my blog post. Because of this, I would also recommend swapping out your aluminum pans and any sort of like aluminum bakeware that you have in your kitchen. So I use I I did read some studies that that showed that it does not everything that you consume through food, like aluminum being leached into food and, you know, whatever just like contaminants that you eat. Not everything is absorbed through the digestive tract, but a percentage is. And so that's kind of our main source as well. So I really recommend switching out to, oh, and leafy greens and acidic foods, such as like tomatoes and citrus products are going to absorb the most aluminum during cooking. So stainless steel, ceramic pans, if you can. I love green pan. It's my, I have a full set of their ceramic cookware, nonstick cookware. But I also have a full set of stainless steel pans, and I use that a lot. We have a cast iron skillet. My bakeware, I've really, this year, again, slow. You have to go slow. I, I mean, this has been a five to 10 year process of me switching everything out. I finally invested in some like ceramic eight by eight square pans so that when I bake brownies, you know, that's now how I bake them. Um, what else? Porcelain. You can do porcelain bakeware, glass bakeware. Glass sometimes is a little finicky with baking. So that's why I like ceramic. Like the baking times can change from what you're following for a recipe. 
If you have to use aluminum pans, get parchment paper, like unbleached parchment paper. What's the brand? If You Care, I think is the brand on Amazon. If You Care. Yeah, they have it at Whole Foods, a couple other places. I line everything with parchment paper. So, like, you know, if I'm going to bake anything, a sautéed whatever, roasted vegetables, I, I always line my pans. I do have stainless steel baking pans, but I still line them with, with parchment paper. So anything, any other tips from you on the topic? No, I am honored and excited to learn from you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Oh, it's true, actually. So thanks. So I'm just going to come out and say it. You all know I don't have any products on here that I don't use personally. Most of the time I find something I love and then I go and ask them to sponsor. Element was one of the first sponsors that I had actually not heard about, saw the product and was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for, started using it. And I think it has become my most favorite product ever that I get to talk about on the show, which is such a blessing. And I'm so thankful that they support this podcast. I use it every day. It has made such a huge difference just comparing last year and what I was doing in terms of my workouts in the heat. And this year, I even, I mean, even this week, I just did a 45 minute workout, had element after just one packet, had a, had a, a glass of, of element afterwards. And it, I didn't feel anything like I didn't feel the fatigue. I didn't feel the dizziness, nothing. And it just made such a huge difference in my ability to recover and my energy levels. So if you are active or you're following a whole foods diet, I think that you can see such positive results from electrolyte replacement like Element, and that's spelled L-M-N-T. Electrolytes are so important because water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes like sodium and magnesium and potassium. Yes, it is intentionally high in sodium because we lose it so quickly when we sweat. And it, because when you have like a whole foods diet, like so many of you are following, it's naturally low in sodium. And so if you are low in sodium, it shows up as dizziness and muscle cramps and headaches and fatigue and even sleep disturbances. So Element actually makes these grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplements. You just take a recharge packet, which they have all different flavors, mix it with water, and then you sip on it. There is no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. It's the first of its kind. I used to work in the endurance athlete industry, and always was looking for something like this and here it is so i've been using element regularly on workout days um i usually drink it right afterwards but now with the heat happening <laughs> like the heat wave it's 97 degrees today here actually i've actually been drinking it a little bit even on my off days and it, it's made such a difference so there is a brand new watermelon flavor it's amazing there is a limited edition grapefruit flavor i love that they're coming out with all these new flavors for us because they know we drink it on a daily basis and the variety is great so Grab grapefruit if you can. It reminds me a lot of raspberry. It's slightly tart, but slightly sweet, which is perfect. Um, if you want to try a variety of flavors, just grab a free sample box by going to drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. You'll just pay for shipping and you can try all the a variety of the flavors and figure out which, which one's your favorite and just see how it, how it works for you. Try it on workout days. Try it on days that you're out in the heat. 
And then if you love it, come back, use our, our link, and you can do the buy three boxes, get one free. That's the best value. Um, and you can pick the flavors that you want. So again, that's drinkelementy.com forward slash wellfed. Question number three is from Rachel. She says, I've been listening to your podcast since 2015, and there's just something so comforting about your down-to-earth attitudes, informed opinions, and balanced view of health. Thank you. Have a couple grab bag questions. Uh, will juve red light therapy cause facial hair growth? So I did I did like a pretty deep dive. because uh, I've I've always been interested in this question, actually, mm-hmm. because we talk about red light therapy as being something that's restorative, something that's regenerative. Uh, and so I have often worked uh, in this space with women who have facial hair growth often related to PCOS. And so I was always curious about whether that would be a thing. Um, so I did a bunch of reading about it. And I know that I know that you have too, and you've pulled a bunch of studies and I have as well. But the primary thing, the science is very complicated, but at the end of the day, what red light therapy does is improve mitochondrial function. And in doing so, it improves energy production and the ability cells have to like regenerate themselves and to keep going, um, essentially. And this actually, this does apply to hair follicles. Like it does promote hair growth in some, Noel mentioned briefly in our last podcast, I think that in studies, it's pretty well documented that this kind of therapy using this kind of wavelength actually helps people grow hair where they've experienced hair loss. Unfortunately, to my knowledge, and maybe I'm wrong, Noel, but I haven't found any studies on red light therapy causing hair growth where there otherwise wouldn't be. But but there remains a big question of if you have hair follicles and you have an underlying hormone thing that is causing you to produce hair somewhere where you might not otherwise, right? would it actually stimulate hair growth there? And I haven't seen any studies on it. To the best of my guessing, uh, what red light therapy does is heal your cells so that they can function more in a way in which, you know, they, they would like to be functioning and ergo probably wouldn't cause hair growth for somebody who's wrestling with hair growth in places they don't want it. Um, but I could, I very well could be wrong about that. I don't, I, I just, there are no studies. It definitely doesn't show that it causes hair growth where you don't grow hair. Um, and it shows that you do grow hair where you used to or want to be growing hair, but there haven't been any studies on whether it causes hair growth where it, where you, you know, may have a testosterone influence causing you to grow more hair. I don't know. I, I would guess no, but I, I don't, there's no studies to my note. Yeah, I would lean towards the no, just because I don't see any evidence of it. I right. was actually really fascinated by the amount of literature about like improving hair growth i don't know i was like wow. it was amazing i was I like i use reds for people seriously i want to just like hand yeah. them out i wanted everybody to get just a juve mini that they can like target on their scalp i don't know i just was like that's so cool so like personally for me i've been a little self-conscious lately because i've been noticing my hair being thinner i used to have very thick hair that would take very hard to like mm-hmm. wrap a hairband around and after my kids, I just lost a ton of hair. And now it's growing back, but it's still like, oh, wow. You know, I, I'm not I'm not a college girl anymore with like thick, luscious hair. Like it's definitely thinner. 
And I can definitely tell when I'm going through a stressful time, like when Rena died and we had, you know, it was like a very hard week. I lost so much hair in the days following that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like it freaks me out. And anyway, I just I know a lot of women go through that because hormones and stress and all the things and there was a large meta-analysis that looked at eight clinical studies that showed that, and they were like, uh, there was like double-blind randomized control trials in there that showed that there was a significant increase in hair density, there was increases in hair growth, um, and I just found it to be really fascinating. It did note that there were no negative side effects, so it wasn't like now women had facial hair growth where they didn't want it. And again, I used do it daily, and I have pretty dark hair and I'm fairly hairy, like maybe not. Maybe I I mean, I think maybe that's my insecure high school self coming out. But I I traditionally have darker hair. You can see like the hair around my lip, you know, because it's darker and like I have a lot of arm hair cuz it's it's dark. You know, I just I have dark hair. So it's fine. But um I have not seen any sort of negative, like, oh, now my hair is growing more on my chin, you know, nothing like that. So I do, I just, I was really fascinated by it. It seems like it works by, you know, improving the blood flow to the area and like making sure that you're getting the nutrients that it needs and doing something to like stimulate the follicle. It did show that like where men and women were losing their hair. So they had like bald patches. It was improving the growth of hair in those spots. It's really cool. I just was fascinated by it, but no negative side effects, nothing that I can see, nothing in the literature. And I don't think that doing red light therapy on your face is going to cause facial hair growth. I think if you are, I think underlying it may, you know, if you have like a testosterone issue and PCOS and you're having some hair growth, I don't think it's going to make that worse. But again, it's, the literature's not there. We, I don't ever think we're going to have a study on women who are struggling with PCOS and does red light therapy like make their chin hairs worse. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to have that. But if anybody's had that experience, please reach out. Let us, yeah, let us know. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, on the same page. Cool. Cool. Okay. So does changing the display settings on my PC help to reduce blue light exposure? Some computers nowadays come with, increasingly, they come with orange light settings. Uh, I still use Flux, um, F.L-U-X. It's an easy download that helps me put on a bunch of different kinds of settings, right? And mm-hmm. I've always used it and I haven't shopped around because I've been satisfied with it. And it it tracks your circadian rhythm. You can set your bedtime, your wake-up time, uh, the amounts of orangeness you want on your screen at those different times. Uh, and then it just does it for you. My light on my screen is always some shade of orange and a deeper orange at night. And very brief periods in the afternoon where it's a little bit more um, bluish, Uh, but it's, it's far away from that. So uh, yes, I think it's super helpful, man. When I'm like in a cafe or a workspace and there's somebody around me that has like a really bright blue screen is I like, I have to get, I get up and move Mm -hmm. if I have to see their screen, even if it's a, you know, several feet away, it's still, it bothers me. And uh, again, not everybody is as sensitive as I am, but uh, yeah, it makes a difference. And there's a lot of ways to do it. Your computer could have it inbuilt, or I do recommend F.LUX. 
Yeah, it does. I I think it's super helpful. I have to take my filter off now to edit, like when I'm looking at photos for, you know, blog posts, recipes, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I mean, within an hour, I just, I have to stop. Yeah, (laughs) a few minutes. I do it when I'm shopping for furniture for the color palette. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I didn't anyway, think about that. I turned it, I toggle it on and off when I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. And then I want to see the color. I turn it off and then turn it back on. <laughs> that's really smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Iris, I-R-I-S. And you're going to have to say like Iris software, like computer software. I love it. It's just like an app on my Mac that I have going at all times. And again, you can change, you can filter out everything. I have it on automatic. So it kind of changes based on the time of day. So in the morning, it's going to be a lot dimmer and more orangey not orangey but just yellowed and then it's going to do that at night too and in the middle of the day it's going to be a little brighter so i love it and i do think wearing your blue light glasses on top of that like i always do that too and that's another layer because it's not going to block out all the wavelengths unless you turn it to like a red screen which is horrible um but yeah okay so what can i learn about my resting heart rate this is the last question I recently got a free Fitbit. I've been having fun monitoring my steps. I'm a little concerned that my resting heart rate is around 77. Seems high. Sometimes when I sleep, it's higher. Any thoughts? I regularly see a doctor. Never had heart issues. Wonder if it's due to stress. She said she found out uh, she takes medication, easing stress, calms me. I haven't taken it a long time. Under chronic low to moderate stress due to my living situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 77 as a resting heart rate is, depending on who you ask, could be considered perfectly fine or like maybe a little bit on the high end. Stress. Yep. Stress is uh, pretty high up there on the list of things that can elevate um, your heart rate. Other things, if you drink caffeine, very, very big, you know, role there. Um, anemia has been associated with it, high blood pressure, um, any kind of thyroid issues. Uh, so those are things to look into. Uh, definitely a lifestyle is really big. What can you do for your resting heart rate? Uh, one of the most important things you can do is exercise because the more you exercise, the stronger your heart becomes, meaning it won't have to work as hard to pump blood. It's pretty cool. They tend to recommend some hours of exercise for per week. Uh, I love dancing for that. And I end up getting many hours because I like it so much. But find something you like to do that like moves, you know, cardio is good. Strength training is good. And forgive me if I'm incorrect about this. But I do think cardio is a little bit more has been shown to be a little bit more beneficial for um, resting heart rate. Um, am I wrong? Yeah, uh, no, and then right. you can, okay. And then you yeah. can, of course, reduce caffeine, manage your stress. Yoga is associated. I read a I read a study where it looked at different like the associations of different kinds of exercise with resting heart rate. And um, this was where I saw that cardio training, endurance training was significantly associated with lowering resting heart rate, as was yoga. And the other kinds of exercise actually fell behind that, including strength training. And it was still much associated, but a little bit less. Um, Meditating, great way to help your body, like, you know, just come back down. You know, we tend to get amped up during the day. And if you can take some moments outside, take take a step out of your day and bring your, you know, anchor yourself a little bit back down, like meditate for a little bit of time here and there. Um, support the body with high quality nutrition, anti-inflammatory supplements, magnesium could be um, helpful, hydrating and sleeping. Yeah, I think we have two things there, which is what impacts resting heart rate. And you nailed it 
is stress, but like really it's how much can we shift into a parasympathetic state, get our nervous system into a parasympathetic state, which is that non-fight or flight, that that chill state. And then also your your fitness level, your cardiovascular fitness, the strength of your heart. This is what exercise does. It strengthens your heart. It makes it more efficient. And I am not a heart surgeon or heart doctor, but I will say that resting heart rate of 77 seems fairly normal. The normal range is 70 to 100 beats per minute. And if it's higher, I think it's an interesting biomarker to track. So if you have a night where you're like, wow, my resting heart rate was higher, probably means that you aren't sleeping enough. You didn't get into a deeper sleep. You might have been super stressed that day, struggling with anxiety. You might have worked out too much, and you might be kind of seeing the symptoms of overtraining where you just did too much that day. Your nervous system was overstimulated, and your heart rate's going to be higher that night. So I wouldn't worry about the 77. It, you can absolutely improve it. And as you improve your cardiovascular fitness, like Stephanie was talking about, it's which is important for everybody, we should all be doing this. Your heart will work more. It's good for your heart and your lungs, folks. You need to be exercising. Uh, your heart will work more efficiently and you'll have like that lower resting heart rate. So a lot of elite athletes can have a resting heart rate of 40. My husband's actually gotten the notification from his watch in the middle of the night, like you need to, you're dying, which he's not. He's very much there, but he just like his heart rate can sometimes drop really low and it's an adaptation. He has a very weird, like he can't, his heart rate can't get super high um, when he works out. And I think it's because he has done endurance training in the past. He's done a 50 miler. He's done an Ironman. I think that he had some physiological adaptations in his past. And so his heart rate's kind of shifted down. It's a protective mechanism. Um, anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. I did. I was interested in like some, I was like, hmm, I wonder what mine is. Cause I do feel like I'm self-conscious about my resting heart rate since my husband's is so low. And I'm like, am I not fit? But it really doesn't mean that. It's just, like mine is 70. Okay, so my VO2 max is above average, according to my Apple Watch, um, which it's saying it's 33 VO2. Um, and that's with about a year or so with really the last six months starting to do maybe one to two higher higher intensity workouts a week. I don't do any like six intervals of this, but I have been doing like higher loads, like it with strength training and also doing more intentional intervals with like biking and stuff like that. Uh, my max heart rate in those scenarios is about 183 to 184. That's like peaking, like top, like going super hard end of a workout, like, you know, interval nine. Resting heart rate for me is 72. Um, and my walking heart rate is 110. So I Again, I don't think that's anything to worry about. And I think just as your fitness improves, you know, that's one of the things that lowers. But I don't think you need to worry about it at all whatsoever. Question number three is from Jamie. Any recommendations for multivitamins or supplements for teen girls? Um, and then this is a very similar question from Carrie. She said, I'd love to know more about different supplements and what to use them for. I feel like if you listen to everything you hear, you could be on 8,001 different things, which is very true. So I was thinking stuff, maybe you could just kind of go through what, if anything, that you are taking regularly. Yeah. And we can kind of talk about multivitamins. Yeah. I thank you for this question. It's very interesting because when I read it, I was like, teen girls, teen girls, like what is specific? What can I recommend that's specific to teen girls? Because here's the thing. Supplements, I really like the word supplement, actually, because I think they 
function best as supplements, <laughs> right? They're a supplement to everything else that you're doing. And a lot of times, like I know a fair number, you know, <laughs> I've encountered a lot of like, oh, you know, I'll just have a multivitamin, then everything will be fine. And I'm not saying this is what you're doing, because <laughs> it's not. Um, multivitamins can be a wonderful way, you know, to help people transition, to help try and be a catch-all if you're working on your health, but not sure what aspects of it you should be working on. Like, that's great. But I think what we want to be doing is moving towards a targeted approach for our own specific supplemental needs. So for a very long time, I never supplemented with anything. I was like, I'm Gucci. Sorry, it's old parlance. <laughs> Using a <laughs> brand I don't like for many reasons. Um, anyway, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. Um, and... And nowadays, I actually supplement a lot. I'm tempted to open my fridge, which is near me, and count how many bottles of things I have in there. It's it's pretty significant, actually, because the first, again, the first and foremost thing I recommend supplementing for is something that is specific to you. And so when you're thinking about this potential teen girl that you know, um, I would ask, well, you know, did they experience any specific symptoms? You know, are there any specific activities they get up to that it might deplete nutrients in a certain way. Like, are they very um, physically active? Are they not? Are they um, eating inflammatory foods? Do you want to try and do some anti-inflammatory stuff to counteract that? Are they maybe struggling with uh, trying to figure out what foods work for them? Maybe gluten's a problem. Do you want to try to, you know, counteract that a little bit with nutrients and anti-inflammatory stuff, oxidative stress stuff? Like, so much of what we do, I, I would recommend just just being specific to our situation. Is there something I can recommend that is specific to the changes that very generally speaking work for are important for teenage girls? I actually don't think so. I, I would I would more want to dial in on what that specific person's life looks like. You know, there's their experiences, their activities or their symptoms, what have you. Um, that being said, um, there are like broad categories of things that you can do, right? So we can all take a look at our own specific health issues and supplement for those. Uh, and then we can also all, maybe if we want to, um, we could take a multivitamin, we could look at nutrient deficiencies that are common, right? So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of nutrient deficiencies that are really common, but like vitamin D and magnesium, like blanket, like you know, tend to be quite depleted across populations. And those are both really important, right? So we might want to consider those. Other people add other things to that list, right? And it's totally, you know, it's totally a person dependent or influencer dependent or what have you. But I I think those are both very important. The vitamin D I take comes with vitamin K. I take it in a liquid dropper form so I can choose how much I want. I like that a lot as opposed to a capsule. Um, and I take magnesium as, uh, most listeners, regular listeners know. Um, I take magnesium three on eight, uh, not quite the recommended dose. My body is quite sensitive to the majority of, of things, supplements I take. So I don't often take the recommended dose. Um, so I, t I take those things. I also, I take glycine in the evenings because, um, <laughs> that because of amino acid balance, we tend to, um, glycine and methionine tend to need to be balanced in the body and, and eating a diet primarily composed of muscle meats is high, tends to be higher in methionine than glycine. 
Glycine does help the brain downshift, however, and move from an excitatory to an inhibitory state. So I take glycine at night. It's very helpful for me. I also take a very little bit of melatonin, not even close to the like standard dosages. Um, I bite off a little corner. So um, those are some things that I do anyway little bit of a tangent, but what we want to be, we could look at broad spectrum deficiencies. Vitamin D and magnesium are on that list. Glycine could maybe be argued to be on that list, but is specifically important for me because I have a hard time getting my brain to shift into, you know, down-regulated, quieter processes. Um, So those are some things. I definitely think taking things to support the body's detox systems Uh, anything that's anti-inflammatory or that fights oxidative stress, like go for it. Why not? Maybe won't, maybe won't hurt. Um, And those things could be especially important if you're dealing with specific health conditions and, or if you know that you have um, some sort of genetic predisposition, some polymorphisms that make those things challenging, right? I know that I have some issues with my methylation processes and with my histamine tolerance because I've looked at my genetic profile and I've experienced a lot of the symptoms that they people talk about, you know, being associated with those problems. And so things that I take for that, there's a very long list. I take dehist, which um, we have discussed as something that uh, it has um, a few different things in it. It's got some vitamin C, it's got quercetin, it's got bromelain, um, I might stinging nettle, maybe it's got a few things in it that are associated with helping the body reduce histamine. I take dehist. Um, I have quercetin and bromelain independently. If I want to take those by themselves, I have a low histamine probiotic, although I don't tolerate probiotics super well. So I take it only very rarely now. Um, and I also have the Dow enzyme, which helps me process, uh, the Dow enzyme processes histamine in the gut. And so I take that if I, well, if I'm specifically, if I'm going to be consuming anything that is histamine promoting in the body, I take all of those things. Um, I also take turmeric daily. I have, um, res- I'm going to get this wrong, reservatrol, the antioxidant that's in mm-hmm. red wine. I always say that wrong. Um, I have a liver, desiccated liver supplement. I alternate. I only take those on occasion. Um, I take vitamin C every day, a liposomal vitamin C every single day. And I mentioned the D and the magnesium. Um, and this is just me sort of covering my bases in immune support and in inflammation support in antioxidant support. And I eat super, super well. <laughs> I don't, people so often don't believe me when I say this, like my fridge is full of like vegetables. I like buy kale and I walk down the street and it like doesn't fit in my bag. And I'm just like eating kale with like breaking bits off with my hands and eating it while I'm walking down the street. (laughs) People And I just, I really enjoy that. I think it's funny. So I like do it, but you know what I mean? Like lots of those kinds of things are important. You know, a high quality olive oil, lots of leafy greens, the best eggs I can find and afford, you know, that sort of thing. Like it's, it's really important to me. And I think it, it really does make a difference. Like I feel better. So anyway, that's like huge, but that's, I think, I think that's the stuff I take also, I take sea buck thorn actually, which is high in omega-7. Um, and I don't know. I take it. I um, And I think that's it. <laughs> you do take, you take a lot of things. I take a lot of things. I might be missing something, but that, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm on the other end of the spectrum where if I'm thinking about, I, I my kids do not take multivitamins. I supplement with them with specific nutrients that I think they may or may not be 
deficient in. I occasionally do vitamin D drops when, especially through the winter, I may do it like three times a week uh, with the K2 in it. I do magnesium. I do for my children because I have some strong-willed, crazy, don't really sleep very well, like very high-energy children. And so we do magnesium at night. Just a little bit. Um, I do. What else do I do for them? Vitamin C for sure. And y'all know my my immune supplement protocol for them now. But in general, I try to really get nutrients from food. I have always prioritized egg yolks for them so that they're getting fat soluble vitamins. I prioritize grass fed meat so that they're getting heme iron and B twelve and I, we do intentionally grass-fed butter so that they're getting the K2 and fat-soluble vitamins. And as long as they're getting those, you know, we eat some grass-fed cheese to make sure that they're getting calcium because they're really not eating vegetables. And that's OK. Vegetables are not really interesting. And they also take a lot of chewing for kids. So they'll occasionally eat, you know, roasted bro- broccoli or just pull some stuff out of our salad. But you know, or carrots with a little bit of peanut butter. But I'm, you know, my focus really is on the grass-fed meats and the egg yolks and the fat-soluble vitamins. So that's what we focus on. And then I just add in a little bit here or there. Uh, And for teen girls, I would kind of do the same. Like, make sure you're eating really good eggs in the morning and you're getting, if you're going to make burgers and grill, get that real high-quality grass-fed meat. Use really high-quality grass-fed butter Make sure that there's lots of fruits and, you know, which is easy with kids. Kids love bananas, apples, you know, get kiwis, just kind of go go wild with the with the fruits. And occasionally, if you can do some roasted vegetables, sweet potatoes, soak your rice, like your kids are going to be getting good nutrients. I will say for teen girls, I'd probably make sure vitamin D. And of course, you can get blood work done to see if there's any deficiencies. But I'm going to say definitely magnesium. I would supplement with magnesium. I'd supplement with vitamin D. I would supplement with a good probiotic. Right now, I'm doing megaspore biotic. Um, I do think that that's important. What else would I do? And I like the idea of what Stephanie was talking about of this like individualized nutrition. Because we all have our own different things, genetic, maybe um, SNPs, for example, that mean that we don't prop, we're not going to get, we need to be careful and make sure that we're getting sufficient B vitamins and stuff like that. So I think that that is important, but stick with food. You do not need to be doing handfuls of vitamins and supplements. And yes, like this supplement can do this and this supplement can do this. But when you start really over supplementing with all the things because somebody told you that that's going to help, but you don't actually know if if you're deficient in it or you're going to, it's not, it's going to help you. You're just throwing money down the drain. Okay. If, If you're taking supplements and you haven't seen a difference in your symptoms or whatever, then it may be time to not take it anymore. I, I, there, there are very few supplements that I think people should be taking every day for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I already said them, but uh, for me in particular, sometimes, uh, well, now every night I take L-theanine, I think. Um, yeah, L-theanine. And that's been very helpful for me. Every time I take it out, my, I can't sleep as well. So I, I keep that in. I keep my magnesium in. Sometimes I do take an like a high quality omega three, um, like 
cold-pressed salmon oil kind of thing, and that seems to be helpful sometimes, especially when I'm going through a little bit more of a stressful time. But start with food. Take your knowledge about some of the things maybe that we've shared here about some supplements and, and nutrients that are typically deficient and and kind of go from there to make sure that you are sufficient. You can always do testing before and after to see where you're at and and kind of build from there. But please don't just take handfuls of supplements because somebody told you that you needed to take them without actually evaluating. Is this helping me? Am I creating a, a different deficiency or a different imbalance? You know, if I'm going to be taking X supplement, does that supplement, does that nutrient need to be in balance with other nutrients? Yeah, probably. Nutrients work synergistically. And so when we overshoot and we take too much of something, that's going to throw off other nutrients. So grass-fed meats, egg yolks, grass-fed butter, vegetables, fruits, that has a lot of the nutrients that we need. And so then we can just fine-tune it with little things here or there. I don't think we're going to have time to get to tension headaches, but stuff I can definitely put that in the next episode that we record together because I think tension headaches are important and you were saying you have some things to say on that. But I do think we're at time here. I do. Yeah, I'm patient. We're good. Yay. Okay. So tension headaches that turn into migraines. This is Stephanie. She's the expert on this. So we'll we'll (laughs) touch base on that um, next time we record. So our next episode together. Um, But for now, that's all from us. Do you have anything else to add, Steph? Nope. Okay. Uh, Follow Stephanie on Insta at Stephanie.Reaper. Follow me at Coconuts and Kettlebells. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks so much for your support. We will talk to you next week.